The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Karen Spriggs. I am a registered nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. We are here today with Brandi Caps, who is a nurse in the Duke Pediatric Urotherapy Clinic. Today's topic is the management of spina bifida patients beyond the age of 18. Brandy Caps, BSN RN, has served as the Duke Pediatric Urotherapy nurse clinician for nine years. She graduated from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro in 2000 with a bachelor's degree in nursing. Brandy has worked at Duke for 19 years in both inpatient and outpatient settings. She currently runs all of the urodynamic and biofeedback studies for Duke Pediatric Urology. She has been a PUNS member for nine years and is part of the urodynamic special interest group. She works with the spina bifida patients and families to teach urinary catheterization. She also trains the patients on peristine and cone enema systems for their bowel management program. Brandy also manages or teaches the spina bifida patients after Mitrofenoff and or MACE surgeries on post-operative care and how to catheterize their stomas. So Brandy, today to set the foundation for our discussion, please explain the diagnosis of spina bifida. Sure, thanks Karen. Um, It is a birth defect and it does occur when the spine and spinal cord do not form properly in the womb or in mom's tummy. It's a type of neural tube defect and the neural tube is a structure in the developing embryo that eventually becomes the baby's brain and spinal cord and the tissues that enclose them. And typically what this means is that um, there is basically exposed tissue on the back and this needs to be closed within one to two days of life. Fantastic. So what are some of the key healthcare management differentiators for the spina bifida patient as they approach 18 years of age and beyond? Yes, as they approach 18 years and beyond, um, just depending, a lot are thinking about college um, or what to do after high school. Some maybe not want college. Um, do they want to get a job? Can they, can they hold a job? Can they get a job? Um, what's going to happen when they get older. Um, so basically, you know, um, with these these patients, um, as we know, um, they are aging, and I think our oldest patient may be close to 70 now. So um, we are having to take care of a more aging population now than we ever used to. So it has become um, not really a challenge, but it's great, great news to hear that that has happened with our spina bifida population. That they're living longer nowadays. Exactly, exactly. So please offer some of the specific challenges for the College Brown student, like wheelchair accessible for the room, for the bath, etc. Yeah, um, so basically that is a challenge with some. Um, some, even if they're not in a wheelchair, just to be able to get around um, with their, some are in crutches with their AFOs on their legs and that, you know, if they have a long distance, can they make that distance? So that's another challenge for them. Um, and if they're not independent, who will care for them? You know, that's not all are independent by that time. And sometimes they need a nursing care assistant or someone or some kind of aid to kind of help them um, do some of their, um, whether bowel program or cath, if they still haven't gotten to that. But hopefully by that point they are, but not all. So we can't always assume. Um, so definitely getting around campus and 
the timing of that. And then, of course, you know, where they're going to stay. Are they going to stay on campus if that's the case? Um, you know, sometimes writing letters, they need to have a room with an accessible bathroom nearby, those kinds of things. So, and, and can they get in and out of that bathroom? Can they perform their catheterization in there? Can they perform their bowel program in there? So it's a lot of things they have to think about when they do talk about going to college or even a job, you know, can right. they get in there? Can they get to a restroom in a timely manner? Um, those kinds of things. So, Brandy, what interventions are commonly utilized to overcome these challenges? Yes. So, um, as I said, sometimes depending on if they have that independence yet or not, some will, you know, may need um, a nursing assistant or someone to assist them. Um, Other times it's just writing letters for them for the school. Sometimes you just have to write letters and make sure um, they have the things that they need and they can have um, a wheelchair accessible bathroom or different things like that. So sometimes um, those are some interventions to kind of help them out. Um, And then just also, you know, when they're getting to that age is just making them, if they aren't more independent, having them understand the more they are can do their care, then the easier it will be and be less challenges for them. Please offer some of the specific challenges for the young adult transitioning into the workforce. Yes. Um, So similar, you know, do they have wheelchair accessibility or just sometimes just, you know, same as, as before is can they, if they're not in a wheelchair, you know, when they are walking with crutches and things, it does exacerbate them a lot quicker. Um, Can they get from their car into the job? Um, Of course, where we work, we walk a lot into to get where we are. Um, Will they be able to do that? Do they need a closer parking space or certain certain area for them to go if they're able to drive? Um, Also, just time off and sick time. Um, So basically, you know, they may get a UTI or have issues or shunt fail or something like that. So sometimes it's just as simple as filling out FMLA paperwork they don't understand. um, And so we fill that out for them for those, you know, episodic events that can happen and flare-ups and their job is aware and then they don't feel so overwhelmed that if they miss so many days that their job is on the line. Um, So those are some helpful things um, to help them with. Um, Also, other challenges is how they're going to get to work. Can they drive? They do make specific driving tests. I know our PT department has um, a specific driving test they can do to make sure they are safe to drive, especially if they are in a wheelchair accessible van, you know, those kinds of things. So there are certain things that can help them to see if they're able to do that. If not, how are they going to get there? All right, great. And what interventions are commonly utilized to overcome these challenges? Kind of very similar. I kind of just talked about it. I think I kind of talked a little too much. But the driving tests, um, FMLA paperwork for medical appointments, for sick leave, if they have surgeries, um, and um, making sure they can get to and from work, all of those kinds of things are kind of basically what I just talked about. So those are the most common things I can think of that are challenges for them. So, Brandy, please offer some of the specific challenges for the young adult transitioning into independent living. Basically, caring for themselves is a big thing. Um, of course, if they're trying to live out on their own, so they need to know just kind of before how to make their own appointments, how to get in touch with us. Um, 
knowing, um, you know, if their shun is failing, who to call, or, you know, you're running out of catheters, call urology. Um, so just calling for problems. Another thing, you know, with the young adults, they're, they're finding themselves. They've become, they were teenagers, now they're finding themselves. So now they're really learning about relationships even more. And so um, the sexual health talk is really big around this age. Um, like we said before, you know, they, they think they can't become pregnant because they have spina bifida, and really they can. So we're learning more and more about um, talking to them about that. And if they're really deciding if they want children of their own, you know, then we have to go into talking about how to care for themselves during that time and, and the challenges they can face with that and all that kind of stuff. And what interventions are commonly utilized to overcome these challenges? Yeah, so if they are talking about um, sexuality and they're in a relationship, then we definitely have to do the talk about, you know, getting in with a gynecologist. Um, There are urology gynecologists. We have one that we recommend and go to sometimes. Of course, there are local and regular gynecologists are fine as well. So then for, um, you know, talking about they need to really get on some form of birth control if they're thinking about, um, if they're not ready for children right now, and usually at a young adult age, they may not be. And then if if they are um, talking about having children, then they need to really, we talk about really adding in that prenatal or multivitamin and increasing their folic acid. Typically, adults with spina bifida are at more risk to have children with spina bifida, and therefore we usually recommend a higher folic acid um, for for that. So just talking about those um, those things, as well as, you know, making sure their kidney health and when we see them and all that kind of stuff is all the basic. But those are the challenges they're facing and thinking about as they get older. All right, great. So in closing, what are some key takeaways when working with the young adult spina bifida population? Yeah, so um, living independently, um, having their parents to allow them to call us. You know, that's the hardest challenge, I think, for our families. Um, The parents you know, have always called and have always cared for them, but now they're at that age, they need to to be able to do it themselves. So um, definitely living independently and calling us and learning for the parents to, to have them try to start caring and taking care of, of their issues. And then, of course, caring for themselves. And then, you know, transitioning into um, their own relationships and having a significant other um, and about their sexuality and things like that are kind of the big points in, in, in the young adult. And, and, and if they haven't um, reached that independence, of course, we talk about that again and making sure they can do it themselves and um, can catheterize or can, you know, call us and, and do whatever for themselves. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.